breakfast food? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. What's up and welcome back. It's Aural Pleasure, the podcast for the short attention span. It's our fifth ever episode, and today we look back at the last week of July here on August 1st. I'm Billy Rutledge, along with Clay Abels and Jaleesa Chapman. How are you doing, Jaleesa? First time on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's about time we all got a female voice up in here. Absolutely. We got to get as many demographics, many genders as possible on the Oral Pleasure Podcast. Yeah, we got to keep things uh, relevant and interesting, you know, because between the two of us, we're we're not that cool. Exactly. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We talked about JCPS school systems, a little bit about UK and their first decommitment under Coach Cal. But let's see what we got up first. One of the toughest things you have to do, and hope you never do it, is take a lie detector test. You have a blood pressure machine, you're wired up, and I asked, I was asked two questions. I said, and I want you to ask me if any other recruits in my tenure were ever given anything. And he said, that's not what we're here for. We're here for, did you have any knowledge of the Bowen family getting any money? Did you have any knowledge of an Adidas transaction? And I answered, absolutely not on both questions and passed the lie detector test. But the one person you got to answer to in life is God. And I sit here today and tell you, should I have known that somebody walked into a hotel room? And that I don't see how I could possibly know. Uh, in the other case, people say, how did you not know? Well, there were security in the building, assistant coaches, uh, 20 managers. So we monitor social media. Not one thing came out in social media in that other case. So should I know, let's just say, I take ownership for who I hired and take full responsibility for that. That sound courtesy of ESPN and Jay Billis's exclusive interview with Rick Pitino that aired on October 19, 2017. And why this is newsworthy today is because Rick Pitino is back in the news. He's releasing a book now called Pitino, My Story, which will be released September 4th, co-written by Seth Kaufman, and will, quote, lay all the cards on the table. You guys, I mean, that sound clip, you can obviously tell that Rick Pitino is being disingenuous. It sounds like he's lying, and now he's back in the mainstream of things going to tell his side of the story. So the book is called Pitino, My Story. What is this, like a Jane Austen novel or something? <laughs> like, why? It's he's Here's the problem I have. It's apparently a tell-all book. What has he not told everybody so far that he's not going to put in the book? He has constantly said he had no knowledge of anything. Nobody believes him. And that's just, it, it just is what it is. I don't know why he thinks at this point he's going to be able to come up with some story that is going to change the minds of UofL fans and college basketball fans that can somehow, you know, unbesmirch his name over the last year that uh, what has gone through between, what are we on, scandal number four now? I don't even know where we're at with UofL basketball. But Rick Patino doing his best not to go away. I give him credit. Uh, I thought... He's like the guy, he's like Michael Myers in Halloween. You, you always think he's done. You just think Rick's going to go away, and he somehow is just hanging from the back of one of these doors, and he pops out with another story. And it's, as you heard in that uh, sound clip, that was, that was supposed to be his last interview with Jay Billis back in October of 2017. He's had like 30 interviews since then and a book. So Rick Pitino keeping up with, per usual, the uh, continually uh, lying and... Um, yeah, he continually lying, and then also the fact of 
He just doesn't know when to leave the party. Like, dude, just shut up and go away. If you want to coach again, you got to stop talking. None of this is helping your coaching brand. It may, you know, maybe he should do the get off my chest segment that we okay, have in the all show. Right, but all what? right, hold on. This isn't the off my chest segment. We got more people you. to talk about the topic. But I do want to say, reportedly, it's going to be about the NBA and the Knicks and Celtics coaching job he had, uh, Louisville and the multiple scandals that he's had, and also the opportunistic agents and predatory apparel companies. So, you know, I really think that this book should be a picture book. And <laughs> I suppose this great question to you all is kind of what some of the pictures that Rick Pitino could add in his new book coming up. Do you think that'd be the best way I to go? I feel like those pictures wouldn't be the most appropriate. It wouldn't be G-rated. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't Especially even know at if Porcini's. I can share the pictures. Uh, was it OJ, the one who uh, released the book, If I Did It? Oh, yep. If it I is. Did It? It's the exact same thing. But for someone who claimed, you know, I don't know what was going on. Well, I, I had no idea. How do you write an entire book? about having no idea yeah. and are there consequences if you end up lying you know that's the follow-up because if you did know something and you reveal it in the book that means you've been lying this entire time right can't so contradict himself exactly and uh you know it's funny because what will people remember rick patino by I mean, I think it's going to be the scandals. Oh, absolutely. I, I am absolutely going to read this book despite all the Rick Patino fatigue because I want to see what he has to say about that Karen Cipher incident. I don't think we all realize how funny of a story that that Louisville scandal was. I mean, it was terrible for Patino being extorted. Right. But all the way it came out and the testimonies that were said, if you don't know the story, it would be a good Google search for you. I hope that he addresses this in detail because I need more info on the Karen Cipher story. I mean, it would. Hopefully, he does. I don't know. That's you're really stooping to a low level if you're <laughs> willing to. But I mean, I appreciate the honesty and the openness. That's for sure. But I'm just wondering if people are actually going to invest in the book. Clay, will anybody ever seriously uh, give him a coaching job again? Do you think he'll be in a, co a coach again? Oh, 100%. He'll he'll coach. I think it's just going to take time. Uh, I know there was some reports last year. Because you said he's going to bring up his NBA time in the book that he was looking to go back to the NBA. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But look, if you're a college basketball program out there and you want to win, he's one of the best coaches. And to his credit, uh, he has done an unbelievable job of blame deflecting and pushing everything off on him. So he's going to try to sell that you know he's an innocent guy. But yeah, I think he'll get another shot somewhere. Should be longer than a 15-second read, I would oh, say. Nice. Had to get that in there. All right, that was what, sweet. Do we, what do we got next? Every single student, over a hundred thousand students, will have an online digital backpack where they will collect and store artifacts of their learning um, to show their authentic learning experiences. And in May, we will have over 20,000 fifth graders, eighth graders, and 12th graders. Every single one in this district will do a defense of their readiness for their next transition level. I believe this is going to be innovative and nationwide, and I'm so excited about the work. I think it is going to um, really transform our district to ensure that every single student is ready for kindergarten, middle school, high school, and then finally college. So we are, are definitely excited about that work. A lot of work to do as we continue to train principals and teachers, um, but there is definitely a level of excitement that has not been seen within this district. Sticking with the city of Louisville, that sound courtesy of the Courier Journal, and that is JCPS Superintendent Dr. Mari Polio talking about what is going to be a new initiative for students with JCPS called the Digital Backpack. 
It will impact over 100,000 students this school year, and it seems to be a method of being able to tell when a child is ready to move on to the next grade. So apparently, like, it's a computer that they're calling a backpack, a fancy word for it. And so what you have to do is you have to keep projects that show traits of prepared and resilient learning globally and culturally culturally competent citizen, all these different things. And then you have to defend yourself and your knowledge for the right to move on to the next grade. And, and I looked at this story and I thought we're given college theses to fourth, fifth grade students. It seems very complicated and seems counterintuitive of what we're trying to do, get kids to focus on learning in school. Right. Also, seems like those are the kind of things that can be done on paper, right? Lately, you know, and maybe it's a sign or a signal that teachers and I don't know students, classmates as a whole, just need to be focusing on those things. I, like, I don't. Yeah, it's feel a little like bit technology confusing. is needed for that. I mean, I appreciate the effort for sure. And if there's a computer going on in here, the smart backpack or whatever, uh, that means something wasn't working before. So I. We can work out and see if this how this goes, then that would be awesome. But well, this is all part of the state takeover of JCPS, oh, and so they're trying okay. to do all these new initiatives, trying to make some changes in the Louisville public school system. And I wanted to bring this question and this topic to you guys because I'm very interested on how students learn today, how we can capture the attention of students in this age of you know instant information and cell phones. Because I had a tough time focusing in school and I didn't have a cell phone on me at all times these kids today are growing up with apps in their hand and then you're trying to go to a school where you're trying to still teach on a blackboard you right know, I understand that there's computers and there's they're trying to incorporate technology into their classroom like they are with this digital backpack but I gotta think it's tougher than ever to try to keep teach our youth in an age where our attention span is so short and that could be what the computers are for, it's something that's relatable. I mean, if you think about fifth graders today, when we were growing up, you know, early 20s, like, we you know, had computers every now and yeah. then, but it wasn't the computer engraved room, in right? us. The computer you know? lab. Yes, yeah. where we had to go. Yeah, and, and so, you know, uh, computers using in the classroom just might be something that you're comfortable with. Uh, I think one problem is just the idea of generalized testing at the end of the year. Yeah. It's like students are taught certain things like this is what you need to know to pass rather than maybe this is what's effective for you if that makes no sense. that makes sense and this situation wouldn't be good for clay because you still have to add your math and reading scores into the digital backpack equation so you may be struggling when you have to defend yourself on why you should go on to the next grade clay yeah and uh you know i couldn't read so that didn't even help me with the math so i was lost in both areas but anyway uh you're talking about what makes People, I guess, kids learn at this age and, you know, having the cell phones. I mean, it clearly affects us. You know, when you were talking, I've looked at my phone like eight times between uh, you and Jolisa going back and forth. Right. Not uh, paying attention. attention. Not paying attention. Uh, you guys aren't that interesting. Uh, you know, for me, I think the best thing to do, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but school system I grew up in is actually trying to do this now. They have petitioned for fifth and sixth graders to have recess again. Now, you think about that. Why recess? Because, Way to go, first of all. I mean. Well, here's the thing. I, it's a little bit tougher in JCPS. There's more you know, area out in uh, the Floyd County space. But I think we need to get back to doing more physical activity to break up the day. Because I remember when I was in fifth and sixth grade playing basketball and doing sports and stuff. When you sit in the classroom for eight freaking hours, 
and you can't move but just sit in the desk and you're just looking at a whiteboard, you lose your mind and you're not paying attention. You're looking out the window, especially right now when it's summer and nice outside. You don't want to be there. We got to find a way to get these kids up and active and doing something because your brain isn't meant to just being sitting down eight hours a day looking at a laptop or a whiteboard. We got to find a way to interact more and get people up doing stuff, whether that's through group projects. You know, I mentioned the thing about doing more physical activity, but they got to learn how to communicate better instead of just being on their phone all day. I think communication and having more physical activity is a big part of it where, you know, instead you're sitting in that three by four desk just looking at somebody talk all day and then going down your iPad, you're going to lose your mind when you're 12 years old. No, I agree with that. And if, you know, if you had five activities to teach one point Bring in, an, in, an back hour, for the kids. in an hour span and then gave them a 30-minute break to do whatever, I think that's where you may start get finding a reach with kids today. Right. I mean, I find myself getting drained at work, you know, sitting around right. for, for eight hours. So I can't imagine what it's like to be a student. But the cool thing is I think now we've got teachers – coming in who are really, really focusing on their students as a whole, just looking into the location where the students are from, music that they like, things that they like to do, investing in their times, their lives, you know? So you, you've seen those videos that go viral of teachers who, like, remix popular songs. Right, or that has and, a handshake uh, with every right, student right. that comes in. And, uh, you know, maybe changing that popular song into a math problem or a cool way to remember spelling. Uh, we've got a new generation coming up who is – we're seeing something brand new. And don't worry, we're still going to pay our teachers under $40,000 a year. <sighs> All right, what do we got next? Um, will you still consider Kentucky, or are you guys just kind of going in a different direction? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. It was kind of, it was kind of, you know, we had, we talked with them, and it was, you know, it kind of shocking, man. It was, you know, it kind of unprofessional. You know what I mean? So, if they come, they come. If they don't, we, we're, we're fine with it, too. When you say unprofessional, did they just not handle the news well? Did they, I mean... They, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, handle, it. They didn't handle, it, handle it the way I, I expected them to handle it, being professionals, you know what I mean? I, I, I thought it would be handled better, but, you know what I mean? We, we, we're not going to get into a mud-flagging contest with them. We, so we, we, we take the high road. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way we were raised, and that's the way we were done. That sound brought to you by ESPN Radio's 92.9 FM in Memphis, the Jason and John Show, where they interviewed DJ Jeffrey's father after the first decommitment under Coach Cal into the Kentucky basketball era. So obviously staying in the state of Kentucky, the father of DJ Jeffries unhappy about the way Kentucky responded after the first decommitment. And this is a, a significant moment. Play. It may not be that Kentucky's going to hurt so much by not having DJ Jeffries on the team because they're already recruiting plenty of guys to play that spot, but it is kind of a changing of the guard of how basketball recruiting is evolving. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, all these top recruits are coming because they played on the same AAU team as Penny Hardaway coached. So it's we're seeing a trend that's happened before. We know about the shoe companies and the AAU teams that have ruined college basketball in the NCAA, but it's continuing to show that Penny Hardaway, a rising star in the coaching ranks, and how he's starting to get his recruits. I think it's the uh, trickle-down effect from the NBA. I mean, you look at the NBA level, what is it? It's guys who came up in the AAU system, went one and done in college. Now, LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all these guys become free agents. What do they do? They go team up with their superstars. Or their friends. Or their friends. Yeah. And that's what you're going to see at the college level. It used to be, from what we've seen throughout the years of college, it was the staunch Bobby Knight, Rick Pitino, 
guy who had been an assistant coach for a long time, built his way up to the top, you know, developed a system. You know, Bayheim it was the zone, Patino was the full court pressure. And then they reigned for 30 years, wherever they're at, until they got fired or they retired. Now, I think what we're going to see is in the new era, with the social media, with the AAU highlight reels and all this different stuff, is all these kids are playing together, and they want to have fun. So why do you want to go play for Roy Williams or Mike Krzyzewski? Yeah, he's got the pedigree, but if you can go hang out with your friends and play with your AAU coach, who most AAU coaches are a lot more lenient now because they have to keep these stars on the team, they're battling from them, losing them to another AAU team, hey, let's move this guys up. You guys both went to Western Kentucky. We saw hiring the AAU coach to be the top assistant. I think we're going to see a lot more of this to come just because if you want to get these top kids, they don't want to be you know, bullied like they used to be back in the day by these coaches. They want to have their friends as coaches. They want to have their teammates as friends. They want it to be a friendly environment. What's better than bringing your AAU coach with your friends? And that's the exact situation that you described. A big reason why Kentucky was so into the recruiting of DJ Jeffries is they were trying to get his friend and teammate who happens to be the number one recruit in the country. The name is escaping me. Some Whitney something. I'm not sure, but it is kind of a change. And I listened to way too much Memphis sports radio the other day trying to find some of the sound bites for this. And they really don't like Coach Cal over there. I mean, rightly so. Coach Cal kind of was involved in some cheating there. And he Lots did leave for the prettier girl. But they have a lot of resentment in their tone. And I think Memphis fans are trying to start a rivalry that's not there. Penny Hardaway hasn't done anything. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, it's two for Penny. You know, I'm not... I, you know, I don't know too much about his coaching background, but from what I've seen, they did an E60 piece on Penny Hardaway a couple of years ago where he was, he, the reason he got into his coaching is one of his friends was coaching the team. He was battling uh, cancer and ended up passing away, so Penny helped coach him and then moved on up. Penny's had a lot of success from what I've seen on the high school and AAU. I mean, his teams are winning national championships. I think he won when he was doing the high school coaching. He won some state I could coach school. an AAU team. Exactly. Like, LeVar Ball coaches an AAU but, team but, and is successful. But here's the thing, though. If you're an AAU kid, and you have all these star guys around you, and you win the national championship, and then you go off to college, why wouldn't you want to bring that guy with you if he's your boy? And plus, Penny Hardaway's just not like somebody's uncle. We do forget, that guy was an NBA all-star who had potential to be a Hall of Famer if his knees didn't break down. I mean, this guy knows his stuff, so I think it's a little bit different, but I won't be surprised if we go down this direction where AAU coaches start getting promoted to college head coaches. He's got pretty cool shoes back in the day, Penny's too. You know what I mean? Them. Jaleesa, I don't know how much you know about about UK basketball or Penny Hardaway, but it seems like the sport of basketball is changing a lot and how you relate to kids to come to your school. You know, it's not Roy Williams going into your house, meeting your mother and father, and a sit-down conversation mailing letters. Maybe it is the AAU. Maybe it is these uh, bonds and recruiting people that have relationships with you, hiring your godfather to be an assistant on the coach. It seems like it's changed a lot in that way. I mean, we've seen plenty of examples of teams, especially at the start of the NBA. Well, not the start of the NBA, but when they started doing the power teams, you know, where we've got four or five, everyone here was great. Mm -hmm. But the chemistry is just off. Yeah. You rather have guys who know their roles, know exactly what they're doing. I mean, there's no better formula than that than to get a group of guys who have been playing for forever. I mean, LeBron in high school was at St. Mary's. I think that's the yeah St. Mary's school. in Ohio. Um, yeah, I mean, all of his teammates were from the same place. They played together as little kids. They weren't zoned for that school, but ended up going there because the chemistry was amazing. Right. Uh, but what was it that the players 
What comments were his dad making, like to Memphis? Oh, college? he said uh, th that they were being uh, very disrespectful uh, when the University of Kentucky responded to when they said they were decommitting. Mm -hmm. So they handle it unprofessionally when they or when they told University of Kentucky they were decommitting, and there probably wasn't a right to do that. And they've come out and said it was an assistant coach that was talking to him, but. The first one under the Coach Cal era, I'm sure it just probably caught some people by surprise. The feelings were a little hurt. Yeah. You know, UK fans are sensitive. They get sad very easily. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I think, and as someone who isn't keeping up with any of that, what pointed out to me the most was the fact that that guy's dad was talking. He was doing all the talking instead of his son. Right. And, uh, you know, my main concern was, <laughs> uh, is, is this uh, the start of something New, we're like a LeVar Ball 2.0, where parents are now going to be the ones calling the shots and speaking for their children. Right. And I'm their manager, and uh, hopefully that's not going to be a actual. Yeah, thing. DJ Jeffrey's father did radio, print, and digital interviews the with spectrums. the Memphis media the yeah. day after their decommitment. So I think it's pretty clear where DJ Jeffries will probably end up, and that's a good point. It seems like parents are are continuing to hitch on the back of their star athletes. You and, don't want to uh, put it like that, you know, because it's your child still. So you want to be protective okay, and make yeah. sure, you know, people aren't on their back. But I think there is a line. What is too much? Yeah, true. I'm just glad I my think dad. That's too much, I'm glad my dad's not getting in Twitter arguments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's trolls, definitely you know crossing I mean? the line. That's way out of hand. All right, let's see what's up next. You're listening to Oral Pleasure, the podcast for the short attention span. You can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify. We are an iHeartRadio podcast, and we like to do a segment around this time, usually I Must Confess or Off My Chest, and Clay seems adamant about something today. Clay, what do you want to get off your chest? Well, you see, Billy, uh, the other day I was at home, and I got a text from Tony Vanetti, and he said, hey, do you want to go do the uh, morning tip-off show with me tomorrow? Me and Billy Rello just said, absolutely, so... The show starts at 8 a.m. I'm in Southern Indiana. I got to leave at like 6.50 in the morning. It's like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. I should be going to bed, but I'm in my usual zone of watching late night television. I'm scrolling through the channels, and I fall on the show Man vs. Food. Now, if people don't know, simply Man vs. Food used to be Adam Richman. Guy would travel around to these random locations and do these insane food challenges, like eating 8-pound pizzas and 20-pound hamburgers, just Flat-out ridiculous stuff, and he was pretty good at it. He did it for four years. show got really popular. I actually met him at a derby. Nice guy. And then he quit. So now, as I'm watching the show, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but we have a new guy, Corey Webb. He is, or excuse me, Casey Webb. I'm sorry. He should, but after this, we don't even deserve to say his name after the performance I saw the other day. Casey is now taking over the show Man vs. Food. So I, along with a couple people, staying up late, trying to pull an all-nighter before the radio show. Casey, I watched four episodes, buddy. You lost three food challenges, and the only one you won, you had to have somebody help you, and he carried the load. Don't do man versus food if you're not up for the challenge. This is a show for high-level men who are manly men that can eat seven-pound pizzas, that can take down the Great Wall of China of General Shao's chicken. This is America. We eat unhealthy amounts of food. I'll give you an example. Back when I was in high school, in my prime, I had two oh. Big Macs. <laughs> Two cheeseburgers, six chocolate chip cookies, and two medium fries. You know why? There was no reason. There was no man versus food. I had to prove it. He has a responsibility as the man in man versus food to go out there and put on a performance for the people. You failed three times out of four episodes. Get out of here. I want Adam Richmond back, or I want somebody new different. Get Schwarzenegger off the couch. He's not doing anything anymore. Let him get on the eating show. 
Benetti's a little too big for it, but maybe we can get him a little side roll on it. Anyway, this is ridiculous. I don't want this guy in the show anymore. He's ruined man versus food for me. I'm done with it. This is this is ridiculous. I, I don't even know what to say. You can't lose three food challenges, man. It's a joke. Well, it wouldn't be entertaining if the food never won. Right? But you can't lose every time. Like at he least didn't. go. He fifth. won one out of the four. And the one time he won, they did a pizza eating competition in Cincinnati. The guy that was with him, real skinny dude, he ate like three fourths of the pizza. He was just there for show, and he acts like he's a real connoisseur of the food, and he can handle any challenge. He fell every time. He didn't even carry his weight in the fourth one, where he pulled off a win miraculously. I don't even think he ate it. I think they fast forwarded the editing and they threw the pizza in the trash can. It was a joke. Casey Webb, I'm coming for your job. I'm leaving WHS today. Meet me at the studios of the Food Reality Network. I'm taking the job. I'm willing to put on 60 to 70 pounds and take this role and do it for America. Clay, most competitive eaters are skinny because they have more room in their stomach, but that's not blocked by fat. Dang it! (laughs) Well, I mean, Jaleesa, have you ever seen that show? Yeah, I mean, I never thought it was that serious. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, how many? So you watched four episodes? Four, yeah, I, I watched four episodes. Like I said, I was pulling all nighter. I usually stay up to twelve or one o'clock, but I was like, eh, I'm gonna stay up to like two and you know just go off no sleep for the radio show. And I keep waiting for this guy to win, and he keeps losing That's every time. Right. That's yep. Maybe they lose on purpose. Oh, you think they to do it on purpose, Julissa? See if he's gonna win the next one. It's all thought of. You know, it's a strategy. And I don't think and Clay could go. And you fell for it, and now you're mad, oh. and you're going to keep watching it. Uh, no, let me make this clear. I will not watch this guy anymore. He has disappointed me and my friends who are watching the television show. He was a joke. And I'm telling you right now, this guy wants to challenge Casey Webb, which I think he's done other shows before because he looked familiar. He's a goofy-looking orange head guy. But anyway, if he wants a challenge, I'm willing to take him on any food-eating challenge. He can meet me down the street at WW Cousins. I don't care how many burgers he wants to go at or one of our pizza places. I'll take him down. You know, I think Man vs. Food did come to Louisville one time for an ice cream shop. It was ice cream Sunday challenge or something like that. And that's a challenge I definitely couldn't do. I mean, I could do more of like the pizza or a corn dog or something like that. I could not do the ice cream. Now, here's the thing before we end this. Me and my friend, the last one that he did win, but I said he didn't put any effort into it. The other guy carried him. They had an eight-pound like calzone pizza, and they both had to eat four pounds. I'm telling you, me and my one friend, he's about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, he's around my size, 230 pounds. Big, big muscular dude. I think we can pull it off. And we talked about going to Cincinnati this weekend to do it. I think there's a possibility that we could do four pounds worth of pizza. <laughs> and there you go. Clay, man versus food off my chest. All right, guys, we're reaching the end of our show. We've talked UK basketball, Rick Patino's new book. We've also talked about the JCPS digital backpack. We've, we were joined by Jaleesa Chapman today. Jaleesa Woo-hoo! works at iHeartRadio with us in the news department, right? Yes. And what's your news. like day-to-day basis look like? Oh, uh, wake up, 4.35, Ugh. get here, 5.30 in the morning, do some news, do some WHAS. And go home, go to bed, and do it all again. So you can be heard on 840 in the yes. mornings? Well, every now and then. Okay. You know, it depends on the day, the week. you got to catch me at a good time. Probably 11 o'clock. And you have any uh, shameless plugs for your social media <gasps> that you want to come out? Yeah, go ahead. On Twitter. It's J underscore J Radio because I'm a part DJ. Yeah. Part news anchor. I got your news. I got your pop culture. All in one. 
Well, thank you, Jaleesa, for joining Thanks us. For having and me. Clay, he's going to remain on the podcast moving forward. He loves those off my chest bits. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we were able to get him in the building today. Yeah, I know. It was really impressive. Jaleesa came in. She she actually has a badge here because she works here. So when she, she came in the door, I literally just ran behind her. That's the only thing I could do today. So this has been Oral Pleasure, the podcast for the short attention span. You can find us on Twitter at Billiard Sports for me and and what what the guy said. Clay, did you want to say yours? Clay underscore Abel. And uh, you can also listen to us on iTunes, Spreaker, and Spotify. That's going to wrap up episode number five. You know what time it is now. It's time to bring the funk back. It's time for the sounds of the week. I have a lot of emotions, you know, you can understand a little bit, but, uh, you know, for it to come, for it to come all the way around, I'm just, I'm happy that I can look at my mom and smile and tell her that everything's going to be okay. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card. You need ID. You go out and you want to buy anything. You need ID and you need your picture. In this country... The only time you don't need it, in many cases, is when you want to vote for a president, when you want to vote for a senator, when you want to vote for a governor or a congressman. It's crazy. I went from just hoping to be able to play the tour to now that I feel like I I can play the tour and I I certainly can win again. I've had an opportunity to uh, to win a couple times this year. I had a great chance at Valspar early in the year and uh, even a, a week ago, I had a, had a great shot at it. So, yeah, my game's gotten better and good enough for that I, I feel like I can win again out here on tour. Jim and I had an opportunity to spend a fair amount of time together um, in July when I was in Las Vegas for the Summer League, and we said, let's take advantage of this opportunity to do something historic, and that is to enter into the first commercial partnership between a gaming establishment and the NBA. I have a voice, I have a platform, so many kids, not only kids, but also adults and everybody that kind of look for, for guidance uh, and look for someone to kind of lead them in a time where they feel like their voice isn't popular. Uh, and when you see something that's unjust or you see something that's wrong or you see something that's trying to divide us uh, as a race or, or as, a, as a country, uh, then I feel like uh, my voice can be heard and speak volumes. And, uh, Especially coming from a point of, of, of sports, you know, I live in I live in sports. You know, without sports, we wouldn't be all here. I wouldn't be talking to you, Rach. You wouldn't be interviewing me. And you know, sports is like it stops race. Every race comes together to fight for one common goal, and that's to win and to have fun and to, to have camaraderie and things like that. And and for someone or, or, or a body of parties to try to divide us by using our platform of sport. Uh, sport has given me everything that I can ever ask for. I couldn't let that happen.